0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, it's Good Friday, and of course we're focusing on the cross. And you know, the cross, crosses have changed a bit over the years. Crosses have changed quite a lot over the years. You look back on the old churches, maybe some of the churches you grew up in, you look at some of the really old churches of, uh, of Europe and different parts of the world and in the Protestant tradition there's always a cross but it's a pretty stark, a pretty plain cross made of stone, made of wood but it's generally just a, the two beams like our three crosses up on the, up on the screen. But today crosses are far more stylized. They're far more schmick and contemporary and groovy. <laughs> Crosses appear on the lo- in the logos of churches named Destiny People. Momentum. Uh, Radiance. There's a church in Phoenix called Radiance, and it's in a suburb called Surprise, uh, which is <laughs> churches like, New day Mariners, Northside Community Church. Our cross is very clean it 's very crisp it 's very contemporary it 's very schmick now look there 's nothing wrong with with any of this if you see it in context Of course in the modern day world of communication and marketing you've you 've got to have a stylized cross that can blend in with your With your logo, there's no problem with that. But look, friends, here's the point. Crosses have lost their ruggedness. That's what's happened. Crosses have lost their ruggedness. And only a rugged, battered cross can really capture the full meaning of the Christian message. And we need to remember that the cross is the symbol. I mean, it's at the heart of all we do. In the church of Jesus Christ, it conveys the stark reality of what happened 2,000 years ago. God's sinless son died on that cross for your sins and my sins. And in the church, you know, of necessity, we do all kinds of things. We run all kinds of ministries. We have all kinds of programs and we, we do all kinds of things to connect with people and to communicate with people. But at the bottom line, at the heart of our message, there stands the cross. That's what it's really all about. This is our message. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the punishment of sin. Freedom to live life with Jesus Christ, with eternity as a quality of life here and now. Last Sunday, we reflected on the cross. And if you were here, you'll remember we reflected on Paul's experiences in the ancient city of Athens. He went there on one occasion. It was the, it was the seat of of all that was sophisticated and cultural and, and academically oriented. And, and Paul was no, no fool. He was a sharp guy. And he went there and we, we don't quite know exactly what happened based on what's recorded in Acts 17. His message seemed to be pretty good, pretty strong. But he tried to mix it with the academics and the theologians of, of the city of Athens. And it seems like in the eyes of some, he may have come a little unstuck. Because the Good News Bible uses phrases like, this is how they described him, an ignorant show-off. It says, some made fun of him. This is Paul. And so when we come to chapter 18 of Acts, the first verse, it simply says this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And I would imagine his ego is pretty bruised and a little bit damaged at that point. And so then to go over into the book of Corinthians and find out what happened once he got to Corinth, we get these amazing words in the second chapter of his first letter. Listen to what he says. When I came to you, my friends, to preach God's secret message, I did not use big words and great learning. You see that in context of what happened in in Athens? For while I was with you, I made up my mind to forget everything except Jesus Christ and especially his death on the cross. There was the total change of emphasis for Paul. So when I came to you, I was weak, trembled. There's the bruised ego. And I was shaking all over with fear. And my teaching and message were not delivered with skillful words of human wisdom, but with convincing proof of the power of God's spirit. Your faith then. Does not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Get your head around that. I made up my mind to forget everything except Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Friends, the only cross that really captures the stark reality of what we're talking about this morning is a rugged cross. Not just stylized contemporary schmick crosses. A rugged cross. That's the one that captures it. If you ever have the opportunity to drive through the state of Michigan, you may come to a city. It's called Reed City. And on the outskirts of Reed City, there's a very large cross. It stands 12 feet, nearly four meters high. And it simply it has a sign, the old rugged cross. And then underneath... A smaller sign which simply says, Reed City, home of Reverend George Bernard, author of The Old Rugged Cross. And he was a Methodist minister who in 1912 penned the words of that old hymn. It was coming up to Easter, and we're told he was reflecting deeply on the meaning and the significance of the cross, like we said in the prayer, just trying to get his head around. What all this meant, the significance of Jesus' death on the cross. And this is what he wrote in the first verse. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And then it goes on. I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. It's pretty old. We don't don't sing that that sort of stuff today. But you know what? Bernard recognised the truth of something that years later, the end of last century, the British theologian and preacher John Stott was to say, and this is what he was to say, we cannot fully understand and grasp that the cross was something done for us until we appreciate and acknowledge that it was something done by us. a world of lost sinners, not just back there, oh, how terrible, no, no, us here, right here and now, your sin, my sin. When I was growing up as a boy here in Sydney, I had an auntie and uncle who lived in Yaguna and uh, I used to love visiting my auntie and uncle at Yaguna because they had ducks and a pond out the back and it was very exciting, Uh, much more exciting than my backyard in Wylie Park and we used to drive past a Catholic church on Hume Highway, which is still there, And some of you, if you've got a Western suburban background, you might be able to verify this story. In the days when I was growing up, just after Paul left Athens, um, (laughs) there was a crucifix outside that church. And it was marble, pure white marble, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And it was about... Maybe four metres high. It was quite large, quite imposing there on Hume Highway. And as a young boy, when we drive past it, I was quite fascinated because Church of Christ background, we couldn't even have crosses in the church. It was too Catholic. And uh, I was fascinated with this this image of, of Jesus on the cross, pure white, pure white marble. And then one year, something happened which sent shockwaves through that community some vandals daubed that white marble crucifix in red paint and basically, I guess, ruined it forever. It's not there anymore. I don't know if that was the reason. And there was shock and outrage, as you can imagine. What a terrible act of vandalism. How dare they do that? But, you know, looking back and knowing what I know now and knowing what some of us know now, in a strange sort of way, there's a real theological truth in that. Because that was our blood that was on that cross. You see, sin is not vandalism. Sin is not throwing red paint on crucifixes. Sin is not crimes of any kind in the, in the, in the, in the greatest sense. Sin is a condition. It's a predisposition. And it affects all of us. As evidenced so powerfully in the play this, this morning. And so there's a sense in which the cross was not just for us it was also done by us and you know friends that condition that condition that predisposition to be to be sinners if that hadn't been dealt with if if the price hadn't been paid that would have meant permanent separation for us from a holy righteous god forever somebody had to pay the price i'll never fully understand that i studied this for 4 years full time i'm still got i've still got more questions than answers but somebody had to pay a price. And so rather than have anybody the world's worst criminal, yeah, he'll do. No, God chose to do it himself in the most graphic way possible through the death of his own son. In the words of that song, I often quote on Good Friday, it's God they ought to crucify. Instead of you and me, I said to the carpenter, hang on the tree. Well, like it, it's God they were crucified. But friends, the good news, of course, is that it didn't end there. Because paying for our sin was just part of the part of the process. Jesus Christ broke the bonds of death and on the third day rose again. And if you're around on Easter Sunday, you better be here at Northside because you'll be left in no doubt that our Lord is risen. He's alive, he's well, uh, and he's living in the hearts of so many millions of people around the world. And their their world changes in their own quiet way. In many instances, their life changes, life transformers, because their own life has been transformed. And so on this Easter, Good Friday, the main message we all need to embrace is that somebody paid the price, that we were there as much as those ancient screaming mob, we were there. But through acceptance of that gift we can know freedom. We can know a relationship with Jesus Christ. The problem of sin has been dealt with. The relationship has been restored. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow in prayer. Well, Father God, we we thank and praise you that it is possible to have a relationship with you through Jesus because of what He did on the cross. We'll never fully understand why that death was necessary. But Lord, as we journey through life, we, we get a sense of why. And we increasingly we see ourselves in that, in that picture, that scene back there 2,000 years ago. Because that's the scene that plays out in our own lives every day. Through our own waywardness and our own sinfulness, we kind of crucify Jesus all over again. But we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wallow in guilt and remorse and regret, we can embrace that cross, we can cling to that old rugged cross and in doing so we can know freedom, forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation. These great words we're celebrating today in a most powerful and meaningful way. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your willingness to sacrifice your own son. All these things we pray in his strong name. Amen.